guys do an awesome job. I always like coming to churches where the drummer is behind a screen because uh, they're like animals, drummers, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? They have to be kept behind something to keep them, uh, you know what I mean, contained. That's very good. Well, it's great to be with you here this morning at Uni Hill Church. Do I need to stand back because there's feeding back? You're okay? The man at the back is giving me the thumbs up. Hey, well, you have a great church. Yes? Well, if nobody, if you, if you don't believe it, nobody else will. You guys have a great church here. And uh, you're impacting your community, and you're doing some incredible things. It's a, as I say, it's a real honor and a delight to be with you here this morning. Um, uh, some of you may or may not have uh, seen me before, uh, in the sense of I was here three, two, three years ago, um, and um, Pastor uh, Nick and Meredith are like my pastors. Yeah, so every pastor has to have a pastor. And, uh, and Nick and Meredith uh, were my pastor when they were in the UK, uh, in, uh, in Bristol. And uh, still to this day, um, I highly regard them both. And uh, me and Rachel, my wife, uh, love them so much. And it's a real honor and delight. I was glad that uh, Meredith could be here this morning. But Pastor Nick decided that he knew I was coming, so he got out of town. And that's... <laughs> That's kind of, that makes me feel really, really comfortable. It's really great today because um, I have a good friend with me, Sasha, who is, uh, is traveling with me and my dad. Uh, Dad's here this evening, and uh, Sasha's from the Ukraine, and uh, he's an incredible man of God, and we've known Sasha for many, many years, and he flew into, he kind of came with my dad, and then he's now with me, and he's going to be partington out by the time he leaves uh, he'll probably have to go into therapy or something, but that's okay. Uh, and it's also, the, the, I'm getting all this out of the way now, because actually today is, is really special for me as well, because one of my own young people is here. Now, how does that work? Okay, uh, so Dan's here. Look, there he is. Looking at, he's come all the way from the other side of Melbourne just to see his pastor. And uh, he's over here uh, for a few months, and uh, he's actually going to uh, another church. You know, Richard, Pastor Richard, Richard Kabakian? He goes to his church and he's doing a great job over there and hopefully we will be bringing him home soon because I need him. Thus saith the Lord. And uh, so it's really great to have uh, Hal Hal. I always call him Hal Hal rather than Dan here this morning, but it's a real honor and delight. But just before we come around the word of God, um, every time I kind of come here for the last couple of year, last few years, I've always brought a gift for Charles. Now, some of you may or may not know this, that a couple of years ago when I was here, he said, I really like your shoes, Aaron. So uh, there and then I took them off and I gave them to him. So ladies and gentlemen, this year I've brought another pair of shoes for him. Uh, Charles, would you come up please? Give your pastor a round of applause. So, Charles... You incredible man of God, you, you beautiful man, you are so, I bought you, well I didn't know that, this is an absolute lie actually, I haven't bought them for him per se, uh, I just wanted to give him a gift, but I was too cheap to go out and buy him a new pair of shoes, because I knew that if I give him my shoes, he's going to walk in the anointing. <sighs> so, uh, so I got you a pair of Yeezys. These are original, some of you are going, oh, really? Yes, these are original Yeezys, and they're mine. Put them through the wash. They smell beautiful. God bless you. You can take them. Take the other one, and, uh, and I'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank 
Some of you are now thinking, what on earth is this bloke all about? Hey, it's a, as I say, it's a real honor and delight to be here. Um, I have one wife, which is always good. Well, it's good when you get somebody in, you know what I mean? So I've got one wife called Rachel, and uh, she is amazing. And I have one son called Ezekiel John, named after his granddad. Uh, his other granddad is called Alan. It didn't really work, Ezekiel Allen. So we went with Ezekiel John, and he's 10 years old. And uh, at 12 o'clock last night, midnight last night, my son was playing in, uh, he plays soccer, as you would call it, football. And uh, he was in the semifinals of the cup. And uh, my, my youth pastor was there, and uh, I was on FaceTime, and he was filming him as he was playing. So while I was in a hotel in the middle of Melbourne, I was watching my son play football on a muddy field, minus one in the middle of the UK. That's what it is over there at the moment. And he's running around in shorts and T-shirt, and uh, it's because he's very hard. And, uh, and they won, praise God, 2-0, and they are now in the final of the cup, and I'm so, so proud. Uh, and we pastor a church called Life Church, which is up near Liverpool, uh, where the Beatles are from, and uh, it's a great church. We went there seven and a half years ago, and when we went there, there were uh, kind of 63 people in the church in our very first meeting, and uh, this, well, later on today, uh, this evening for us, uh, their morning, there'll be just over 200 people there. Worshipping, praising God. That's adults, not including the kids. And most of them are new converts, people that have been won into the kingdom of God. And it's just amazing to kind of see and watch. Most of my church are raw Christians, you know? You know the ones that are really saved? Do you, know, do you understand what I mean? They're fearless. And uh, we had a baptismal class, a couple of uh, baptismal service a couple of weeks ago, and this is this is this is the kind of church that, that my church is, is that a lady comes forward to get baptised, and we're just about to put her in the pool, and uh, and then she went, oh no, stop, 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 this is in front of a packed church. She went, wait there, wait there, wait there, and she got out the pool and she took off her eyelashes, and put them on the side, and then said, right, I'm ready now, okay. She didn't want to get her eyelashes wet, and it was amazing. It's the first time that's ever happened to me. Uh, I didn't know what to do, so I just went, that's fantastic. Take your eyelashes off, love, because they need to be sanctified as well. Hey, if you've got your Bibles, uh, I, I want you to turn with me, please, to Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. Okay, Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. We're going to read together. Uh, and uh, this is what it says. It says, Stand up, son of man, said the voice. I want to speak to you. And the Spirit came into me as he spoke, and he set me on my feet. I listened carefully to his words. Son of man, he said, I am sending you to the nation of Israel, a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been rebelling against me to this very day. They are stubborn and hard-hearted people, but I am sending you to say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or refuse to listen, for remember, they are rebels. At least they will know they have had a prophet among them. Verse 6. Son of man, do not fear them or their words. Don't be afraid, even though their threats surround you like nettles and briars and singing scorpions. Don't, uh, do not be dismayed by their dark scowls, even though they are rebels. You must give them my message, whether they listen or not. But they won't listen, for they are completely rebellious. Son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not join them in their rebellion. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that the Bible says is that your word never, ever returns void. 
that it always goes out and accomplishes what it's set out to do. So Father, we pray this morning that God, as we come around your word just for a few moments, that Lord Jesus, that we won't just hear your voice, Father, through our intellect, but God, that we will hear your heart and hear your words that comes right to our spirit. That Father, we pray that let no man, no woman, no child go out of here the same as what they came in. But God, we pray that everybody will get something from you. That Lord Jesus, whether we've been in church many years or whether we're fairly new to church, God, we pray that we will get something from you this morning and you will speak the very spirit of each one of us in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen and amen. What I want to do is, is just for the next few moments, uh, I know that you have kind of um, prophesied that this year is going to be a year of favor. Amen. Yeah, you are going to be living in a year of favor in your, in your marriages, in your families, in your churches. This is Uni Hill's year of favor. Let me tell you, at my church, Life Church in the UK, at the very beginning of the year, I prophesied favor over our church. And this is going to be our year as well. Over the other side of the, over the, other side of the world, it's going to be our year of favor, where I believe we're going to see God move in an incredible way, where we're going to see relationships restored, where we're going to see the backslider come back, where we're going to see God do something incredible in our midst. Why? Because the favor of God is on us. Why? Because we believe in a God that already believes in us and I think that God's going to do something great. Amen? Well, I'm not going to talk on that this morning. What I'm going to do this morning is the title of my message is this, is that we want to have a divine disruption. A divine disruption. Ezekiel, that we've just read, he was sent into a rebellious nation. He was sent to Israel in a very, very dark time in in, in their history where all kinds of stuff was going on. And God speaks to Ezekiel and says, look, I want you to go into that nation. I want you to go to those people and I want you to begin to speak to them even though I know that they won't listen. And in that moment, actually, God began to speak to Ezekiel and a divine disruption began to happen. You know, I believe that each one of us, even today in the middle of Melbourne, in Uni Hill, can have a divine disruption. Where something happens, where we can leave this place this morning, knowing not that we've just met with each other, but we've met with the living God. That something happens on the inside, where we walk out of here, knowing that God has shaken us into a place where we're not satisfied where we are, that we're not living in the status quo anymore, but we're actually moving into everything that God has got for us. A divine disruption. You see, so many of us are willing to live with the status quo of where we are. We settle. We get very, very comfy. In Western society, you know, we live in a society where everything is so accessible and everything is so easy. But actually, I believe that God wants to begin to shake us into a place where actually, you know what, comfiness is not the norm anymore, but we're living by faith, stepping out on the word of God and saying, God, you know what, whether, uh, whether people listen or whether they don't, still I'm going to trust in you and I'm going to be everything that you've called me to be. You know, the first thing is this, is that my first point, all good preachers have three points, don't they? That's it. That's what we are taught. All good preachers have three points. Well, I've got four. And, uh, and that's good. So my first point is this, is that a divine disruption causes us to listen to stand and to act. A divine disruption causes us to listen, to stand and to act. Right at the very beginning of the portion of scripture that we read in Ezekiel 2, it says that the son of man, he said, son of man, he said, I want you to speak with you. The spirit came upon me and he set me on my feet and, and I listened to his words carefully. 
There is something when God actually begins to speak to you that actually we need to have an ear to hear what the Spirit of God is saying and then begin to stand up and begin to act on the Word of God. You see, so many of us, we will listen to the voice of God, but because maybe it's a bit of a challenge, maybe it's something that kind of takes us out of our comfort zone, we don't actually stand and we don't act, but we do listen. You see, whether you hear my words this morning or whether you don't, actually doesn't make any difference because God will speak. God will speak this morning. Why? Because the Bible says that when his word goes forth, it never returns void. So God will speak this morning. So it isn't actually on God to speak because he will. What it's actually on is each one of us having an ear to hear what the Spirit wants to say. So we have to listen to what God wants to say to us. And actually, I believe this morning that the first thing is this, is that if we want to have a divine disruption, if we want God to come in and do something extraordinary in our midst that is against the norm, but actually takes us to a place of living a supernatural life, we have to both listen, we have to stand, and then we have to act. You see, so many times in the Bible there was divine disruptions where God spoke. You just have to look at the burning bush. The burning bush, Moses was there and, and God begins to speak to him through his everyday life. Remember, Moses was just out tending his sheep. He was out doing what he'd always done and all of a sudden, in the midst of the normality of life, God breaks in and begins to do something and begins to speak. Now at that point, Moses had an opportunity to listen, to stand and then to act. Now, if you actually read it, what actually happens is, is that Moses begins to kind of argue with God a little bit. And how many of us know that sometimes when God's asked us to do something, we go, really, God? Uh, have you got the right guy? Have you got the right lady here? Uh, really? But actually, let me tell you, God's timing is perfect. And God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. A divine disruption, you know, not only causes us to stand, act, and listen, but it also actually causes us, listen, to change our posture. God is looking for a posture change in each one of us. I want to say this this morning is that there is no substitute for prayer. There is no substitute for actually getting down on one knee and beginning to pray and say, God, I need you. You see, if we want to have a divine disruption, if we want God to come in in a way that is going to shake us up, actually, it starts from a place of bended knee where we begin to say, God, I need you. God, actually, no matter what is going on around me, I'm not going to let what actually the situation that may be facing me is happening. God, I'm going to look my, look, my, take my eyes and look to the hill of the Lord. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. And a posture change needs to happen. Why? Because when God speaks, let me tell you, posture changes. God speaks, posture changes. Why? Well, God said to Moses, hey, actually, the place where you're standing is holy ground. Take off your sandals. Something of a posture change had to happen. If you kind of look at the whole thing of Abraham, God spoke to Abraham, and what happened? The posture changed. He fell face down before the living God. Something of a posture change happened. Actually, with Nehemiah, what happened with Nehemiah? Well, he said he went and burnt... Um, burned his plows, and then he went out, and actually he, he looked out to uh, where he was going, and he began to weep. Why? There was something. God was speaking. Posture changed. You see, when God speaks, we can't be the same. 
when a divine disruption comes in and begins to do something on the inside, it's not just to keep us where we are. It's to actually move us on and take us forward into everything that God has got for us. But in that, there needs to be a posture change. I want to challenge you this morning. And I want to say to you that if you don't regularly pray, you need to begin to pray. If you want to see God move in your life, it ain't going to start. Actually, nine times out of ten, we, we, we believe that, well, you know, I'm okay and, you know, God's going to come down and hit me with a bolt of lightning and everything's going to be okay. No, let me tell you, actually being a Christian is jolly hard work. I believe it is. Do you know what? It is sometimes just because we're a Christian doesn't mean that tough times don't come. Just because we're a Christian doesn't mean that actually sometimes we don't find ourselves on top of a mountain where we're praising God, but actually we find ourselves in the valley. It's at that point that we need to have an understanding that whether we're on a mountaintop or whether we're in a valley, we still praise God. We still worship God because he is worthy of our praise. The divine disruption causes us to listen, to stand, and to act. And it changes our posture. You know, Bill Johnson, uh, the pastor at Bethel Church in America, he says these words. He says, I cannot live in mediocrity, content with merely knowing that there is more of God to experience and explore, and then do nothing about it. Truths? that are not experienced are, in effect, more like theories than truths. Whenever God reveals truth to us, he is inviting us into a divine encounter. God wants us to have a divine encounter. God wants us not just to be uh, people that kind of uh, hear the word and do nothing with it, but no, he wants us to be hearers of the word and then doers of the word. And we have to change our posture just from listening to actually standing up and acting on what God has called us to do. The second thing is this, is that divine disruptions help us to fear God and not man. Divine disruptions help us to fear God and not man. Man. In verse 6, it says these words of the verse we've just read. It says, Son of man, do not fear. Do not fear them. Well, there you go. Look at that. Kind of. If you squint, it looks in focus. Uh, uh, It says, Son of man, do not fear them. You know, so often in in church life and as Christians, we fear what other people are going to think and say. We, we often kind of go around on tiptoes hoping that we don't offend anybody. And actually, I spoke on this uh, a couple of days ago uh, when I was um, with Pastor Nick Tosarkis, is that as churches, we need to be giving people not necessarily what they want, but what they need. You see, there was a man at the gate, beautiful, over in Acts chapter 2, and it says that he was begging for money. Now, his want was money, but his need was healing. And as, and as church people, let me, under, let me tell you this, is that we need to be a people, we need to be a community that are giving people what they need, not necessarily what they want. And I believe that as, as churches, you know, you are a, a community of people and a great church and Pastor Nick and Meredith are people that are always looking to give people what they need. They need hope. This community needs hope. This community needs love. This community needs something of a, of a, a vibrant place where the power of God at any given moment can come in and change people's lives. That's what it needs. And I believe that actually this place can be that kind of place. But ultimately, we need to be a people that don't fear what man 
says. You know, I, I, I believe so often that in church life we see, and with, with everything that I'm involved with back in the UK, I see so many churches and so many church leaders and so many church congregations that are crippled by the what if. Well, what, what if this happens? Well, what if it doesn't? What if actually we begin to step out and it doesn't work out the way we think it's going to work out? Let me tell you, God is in control. The Bible says the steps of good men and good women are ordered by the Lord. Now, we either, either believe what it says in the Bible or we don't. And I believe that actually if we step out in faith, we're listening to the voice of God, our heart condition is right towards him. Let me tell you, the Bible says who can be against us? Who can be against us? We don't need to fear man. What we do need to fear is God. We need to fear that actually what happens if we don't step out and do what God's called us to do? What happens actually if we don't do what God has called us to do? We need to be a people that don't fear what man says, but we do need to fear what God says. The third thing is this, is not only does divine, divine disruptions uh, cause us, I forgot my point, to help us to fear God, not man. The third thing is this, is that divine disruptions bring life to dry bones. Divine disruptions help to bring life to dry bones. You know, there is a, uh, a whole story in Ezekiel about where, you know, do these bones live? And uh, we could go there and we can look at it, but maybe this morning, maybe you're a Christian, maybe you love God, Maybe you're a person that knows uh, to have, and have experienced the power of God in your life, but at the moment you feel dry. Maybe you feel weary. Maybe because of lack of sleep. Maybe because of a situation that's going on in your life. Let me tell you, you can have a divine disruption this morning that comes in and let the river of God flow through and begin to water dry bones. Why? So you leave here knowing that God is with you, not against you. That actually something has happened on the inside where you go out invigorated. Why? Because you've been in a place where God is. You see, a divine disruption helps to bring Life to dry bones. Divine disruption as well. Actually, uh, I wrote it down here. That we can speak and prophesy into dry situations and see them turned around by the power of God. Did you know that your words are important? What you say, the Bible says, has the power to heal. The Bible says that actually your words can bring life or death. Your words have the power to encourage or pull down. Something that I've challenged my church with, and I'm, and I'm being challenged with it myself, is that actually we can prophesy into the darkness and see something happen. Because if we are being made in the image of God, that our words can be creative. Because God is a creative God. He said, let there be light, and there was light. So actually we can begin to prophesy into situations, and maybe not... Or maybe not automatically see them turned around, but when we begin to preach truth, when we begin to speak life, when we, be, when we begin to speak something of the power of God, let me tell you, I've seen it happen time and time and time again. We can see situations turned around, dry bones begin to live again. Why? Because we're speaking into the darkness and we're speaking truth. So often in church life, you know what, we, we come to church and we can sing so many great songs, but do we actually believe what we're singing? We don't just, you know, if you kind of break it down for a second, and I love doing this when I come to churches, 
Uh, if you're new to church this morning, welcome. Uh, if you've been here for quite some time, welcome. But, you know, church is weird, isn't it? Just me that thinks that. You lot are going, oh, no, this is not a weird church. Let me tell you, I'm from a weird church. It's a w- churches are weird. They're, they're, they're strange things. Yeah, you know, I don't know how many people, there's a couple of hundred people here this morning, and some of you would never, ever meet unless you were in church. Your paths would never, ever cross. I'm sure there's people here this morning that have got some great wealth. There's other people here that probably haven't got a lot. There are people here that have jobs, and there are people here that haven't got any jobs. But actually, you're all under one roof. Why? Because you want to worship and praise God. It's quite interesting, though, because this is where I find churches a bit weird. Is that, you know, let's just break it down for a second. So this morning, you all came in, in your cars, or you walked here, or you came with a friend, and you came through the doors. I came in this morning, and I was hugged by a man I'd never met. And then I kind of went upstairs, and uh, I sat with Charles, and uh, uh, your pastor, by the way, you're coming, he is an amazing man. He is incredible. He's infectious. He is. He, uh, he, he's gorgeous as well, isn't he? He's like, he's like the David Beckham of Melbourne. Look at him. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. And he works out. He's gorgeous. I work out as well in my sleep. And, uh, but, but, but it is it's weird. You come in and then uh, you may get a cup of, do you get, have coffee beforehand? So people can grab a coffee and they come in and say, oh, hi, how you doing? And you do the Christian thing. No, you, sometime you should try it. Come in and if somebody says, oh, how you doing? Go, actually, I've had a rubbish week. I feel depressed. People wouldn't know what to do. They'd freak out. Because we do what we do, what we do, we do the Christian thing. I'm fine. Yeah? Have you, oh, I'm good. Yes, I'm very well, thank you. And then what you do is you come in and you take your seat. Nine times out of ten, you're sitting in the same seat that you always sit in. Because that's what we do, because we're creatures of habit. So some of you are sitting in the same seat. Let me tell you, I, it's good now and again just to move. Just to mix things up a bit. Mix things up a bit. Let me tell you, you'll have a different perspective. Yeah, You'll think, actually, from a different angle, that Charles is not that good looking. <laughs> but you come in and you sit down, and then the band strikes up, and we start to sing songs. And, uh, you know, uh, and all it needs, really, you look at a big screen like that, and you're reading the words off a screen. All it needs is a bouncy ball, and we've got karaoke going on. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Beautiful exchange. And then, and, then, and, then, and then some people have got their hands in the air, and, and then other people are just standing there like that. Some people start speaking in a weird language, and, and you're, you know, shabba shabba doing, and you're all a bit, you know, it's, it's a bit weird. And then Charles gets up and says, give us your money. (laughs) And then he says, welcome, we've got a man from England that half of you have never met before, and now I'm talking to you. It's weird. It's weird. But let me tell you this. The thing that makes this different to every other gathering that goes on is the Spirit of God. Because where it is pregnant with the power and the purpose of God, let me tell you, God can break in at any moment. A divine disruption can happen and lives can be turned around by the power of God. That's the difference between just having a normal meeting and having church. Every time we come into the presence of God, let me tell you, we should be seeing dry bones come to life every single week. Why? Because where the Spirit of God is, something can happen. 
Where the Spirit of God is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of God is, there's healing that can take place. Where the Spirit of God is, relationships can be restored. Why? Because we're in a place where God resides. So we no longer look at the words with a bouncy ball. We're actually worshipping God and saying, God, we were created for this moment to worship you. We were created for this moment to give you praise. That's the difference. The fourth thing is this, and with this, we're going to usher in the presence of God. Are you ready? Keyboardist, would you come up, please? Because that's what happens in churches. Because up to this point, right, where are you going? You're not leaving. Oh, we're going round. Let's open the door for him. Wait there. When he comes. How are you doing? No, you could have come. You've gone the long way round there. Give him a round of applause. There you see? There you go. You just, you made a real meal of that. You could have just come up those stairs there. What, you're not allowed to? Who, who told you that? Charles or Pastor Nick? A bit, of both. a bit of both. Well, Nick's not here and I've got the mic. You can do what you like. Don't tell Pastor Nick. He's going to come back and he'll go, you've destroyed my church. <laughs> wait there one second now because we're going to wait. And the Spirit of God will come into the meeting. Because he hasn't been here up to now, has he? Wait, wait. There you go, look, he's just been coming in. Let me tell you, God was here before we got here and God will be here after we get here. So often we try and kind of make something and try and manipulate something. Let me tell you, God was here before, he'll be after, he'll be here long after we leave the planet Earth. Why? Because God is God. But we do need a divine disruption. The fourth thing is this, and lastly, is that a divine disruption moves us from here to there. A divine disruption moves us from here to there. In Ezekiel chapter 40, right at the very end of the book, is that it says these words, it says that the hand of the Lord was upon me and he took me there. You see, something happens when God bring, when God comes in. When God begins to breathe, you cannot stay where you are and he takes you from a place where you are to a place actually and moves you forward into a place over there. And I believe that actually God this morning wants to do something where he can move us just along the journey just a little bit where we can move from a place of stagnation where we can move from a place of actually finding and thinking is this all there is? No, there's always more in the presence of God. There's always more where the Spirit of God is. There's always more when a group of people come together and dare to believe that God can do something and actually he moves us from a place of here and he begins to take us into a place of there. Actually it's not about what we say it's actually ultimately about what we see. You see I know that God has got more in store for each one of us including me. Why? Not just because I say it because I believe it and I can see it. I can see that actually God wants to take us on a journey that sometimes you know what we will be on a mountaintop Sometimes we will be up there and everything will be going great. But sometimes, you know what? We're going to be in a valley. Why? Because it says so. Not just because it says it in the Bible, but because it's life. Don't tell me, come to Jesus and everything will be okay. Because it sometimes isn't. 
Sometimes we go through rough, rough times, but actually in those places, we need to have an understanding that God is still at work. He's still moving us from a place of here, and he's taken us on the journey. Where? To ultimately to become more like his son, Jesus. He wants to take us from here, and he wants to move us just a little bit towards there. You know, in closing, and then we're going to pray, is that um, I uh, said this uh, last week. I was with my very good friend, um, possibly, you know, your pastor, Pastor Nick is a great connector of people. He's, in fact, he's brilliant at it. Yeah? He's very fussy with his eating, but he's an incredible connector. If Nick ever asks Pastor Nick, I keep calling him Nick, but he's your pastor and I, I should be a little bit more respectful. But, uh, when Pastor Nick, he says to me, he says, oh, would you like pizza? He says, I'm going to make you a pizza. That's what he says. Every time he comes to the UK, he always says, oh, I'll make you a pizza. Do you know what his making of a pizza is? This has got nothing to do with my message. I'm just getting it off my chest because he's not here. Do you know what, is, what he does is he goes out and he will choose a frozen pizza. Then what he'll do is he'll lob it in the oven. He'll stick it in the oven and then he puts a bit of spinach or whatever on top and goes, look, I've made you a pizza. That's what he does, isn't it? Isn't that right, Meredith? That's what he does. But he's an incredible connector. And I was a, a very good friend of mine who we met through uh, Pastor Nick, uh, Pastor Josh Brett there in uh, Hope Church down in Adelaide. But last year uh, was possibly the toughest year that I've ever had in ministry not just as a pastor but actually probably in my life and, uh, and it, was, it was very very difficult and I want to kind of share something with you because I hope it will help illustrate a point about taking us from here to there you see at the beginning of last year 2017 uh, I had an incredible couple join my church and uh, Meredith uh, knows them very, very well, uh, Thomas and Hannah McManus, and they came to my church, and they were there, and uh, they fell pregnant with a little baby, and just before Christmas 2016, uh, she had a little baby girl, baby Emily. Five weeks later, baby Emily died, <clears throat> beginning of 2017, and I was there, and I prayed over baby Emily at five weeks old in a hospital bed as they turned the machines off. And then I had to conduct the funeral of baby Emily. That was at the beginning of 2017. And then in the middle of 2017, the lady who I would class as the closest thing to my mum, apart from my own biological mum, it was the lady that actually took over, I took over the church from, an incredible woman of God. She was on holiday and she rang me on the, on the Friday morning and she was coming home a few days later and it was her husband's party. And, uh, and she was kind of getting really excited about being there. And uh, she was saying, oh, Aaron, I can't wait to get home. We're going to have a great time. And she was like my second mum. That was on the Friday. On the Saturday evening, her husband, Steve, rings me and says, uh, Jill's passed away. What? 61 years old. Dropped dead in front of her husband. And the thing with it is this, is that actually the week before she'd preached at church, and she said this, this is why I know words are so powerful. She said this, she said, if God was to take me now, I believe I've accomplished everything that I was set out to do. Sunday, following Saturday, she grabbed hold of her, son, uh, of her, of her husband's hand and said, Steve, I think I'm going to die. Drop dead in front of me. Then, 
later on this later on that year uh, later on in, in in October of 2017 we had a great we have a beautiful girl in our church called Laura Laura was 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 a girl who who had some difficulties and she had some uh, mental health issues and then all of a sudden she was diagnosed with leukemia within a very short space of time she passed away and then right at the end of the year right at the end of the year the oldest member in my church 92 years of age Ella she passed away at the beginning of the year I buried our youngest member at the end of the year I buried the oldest member and in between two of the people dying and you know what? When things like this happen, when you have a young baby and when you have a lady who you have loved so much and other people in your church and, and, and things begin to happen, let me tell you, it rocked my faith. It made me question, God, why is this happening? God, what is going on here? But it was at that point that I really felt God say to me, it was, at the, it was actually in the middle of the year before Laura passed away, where he said, Aaron, trust in me. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I don't understand everything. I don't get, get why seemingly bad things happen to good people. But I do know that Jesus Christ died on a cross and he loves me. I do know that even in the toughest of times, even what Job said, yet though you slay me, still I will trust in you. And even though we don't understand why necessarily bad things happen, let me tell you, God is taking us on a journey where he wants to move us from here and he wants to take us on a journey to there. He wants to take us where actually a divine disruption can happen so that we can prophesy to dry bones and see them come alive. That we can see God move in this place like never ever before, even in the toughest of times. We still need to worship him. Why? Because he's worthy of our praise. Why? Because he came to earth 2,000 years ago and died on a cross for you. That's why I believe in God. I've seen God move in so many ways. But we need a divine disruption. We need God to do something on the inside where we need a fresh anointing like never before. Where we crave the favor of God. You see, we need to, sometimes we have to do things for the favor of God, you know. As I said before, we have to pray. Don't expect the favor of God if you're not praying. You need to be in communion with Him. And what we want to do is this, is just, just for the next few moments, I want everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. And my appeal this morning is twofold. I'm the kind of preacher that always goes for a verdict. I always try and up, uh, apply what God is saying. And this morning in the very few moments we have remaining firstly if you are not a Christian here this morning or you're backslidden you may understand that term you're away from God you're not in the place you should be but actually through the spoken word this morning or through the worship or through even Charles speaking or whatever that actually you feel that you need to connect yourself back to God or for the first time you need to say God I don't understand everything about you but I'm willing to give you a shot in my life if that's you, on the count of three, I want you to do something for me. I want you to raise your hand in the air and put it down again. I will see it and I will pray for you. One, two, three. Very, very quickly. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. 
three people this morning saying yes to Jesus, maybe for the first time, or maybe a rededication. Amazing. I want everybody to say this prayer with me. Everybody pray this prayer. And if you raise your hand, I want you to really pray it on the inside of your heart. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. Take away all the rubbish in my life. I want to come into a relationship with you. Help me, Lord Jesus, to be everything that I can be. In Jesus' name, amen. If that was you this morning and you raise your hand, hey, I want you to come and see me afterwards and shake me by the hand and say, I, I, I kind of put my hand up this morning and I'm sure that the church here will be able to help you and give you something. The second part, part of my appeal is this, is that if you're a Christian here this morning and you want something of a divine disruption to happen in your life, maybe you're going through a situation at the moment. Maybe there's a family situation that's going on and you need God to break in. Maybe there's a relational issue here this morning. You need God to bring. Maybe you need healing in your body. Let's actually believe that God can do something. Let's not just kind of play at church, but let's really believe that actually in this place, the Spirit of God is breathing and wants to change people's hearts and people's lives. If that's you, I want you to stand where you are right now. Don't wait for anybody else. Thank you. People all over this place beginning to stand and say, yep, that's me. Lord Jesus, we love you. Father God, we thank you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm just waiting a moment. I'm just waiting on God just for a second. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to call everybody to the front this morning. But what I am going to do is I am going to pray a corporate prayer. And if you're standing this morning, I want you to do something for me. And I want you to put your hands out in front of you as if you're going to receive a present. And we're going to pray. And when I get to the part in my prayer where I say, in the name of Jesus... That is going to be the point where we believe that something of a connection will happen. Why? Because my Bible says there's power in the name of Jesus. Not in the power of Aaron Partington, not in the power of some message, but in the name of Jesus. So we're going to believe that at that point, that whatever you are standing for this morning, maybe you just want a fresh infilling from God. Maybe there is a situation that you need God to begin to move in. When we say in the name of Jesus, that actually God will break in. And then we're going to praise and worship God together. So Father, we thank you this morning that you are a good God. That no matter what we may be going through, that you are the same yesterday, today and forever. And Father, this morning, where people need a touch from you, maybe in a family issue, Maybe in a relational issue. Maybe in a physical issue. Maybe in a financial issue or a job issue. God, we pray that in the name of Jesus, the God that you will do what only you can do. And the God that you will come in. And the Father that you will begin to speak. The Lord Jesus, the Father, let no man, let no woman. Lord Jesus, leave this place. Not in a hand to of a divine disruption within their life. 
the God that something can break in the heavenlies, oh God. We prophesy into the darkness. And God, we say we want you to have your way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name that actually is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. Every tongue must confess that you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. And Father, we pray that you will speak to the spirit of each and every person here this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, everybody stand together and let's give God some praise. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. You know, I really do believe that you, you guys here, have not just a great church, but listen to me, a significant church. You know, God is not necessarily interested in numbers, so to speak. He is interested in significance and influence. Some of the greatest churches that I've been in, and I've preached in churches of literally tens of thousands of people, and I've preached in churches of the tens. And sometimes, you know, actually the churches of the tens can have more influence than the churches of the thousands. And we need to have an understanding that this isn't about numbers, even though I believe in growing church. Even though I believe that every church should be growing. But I believe that on your church, there is influence far greater than you even can imagine. That God is going to open up doors this year that you've thought were shut. And God is going to miraculously begin to open them. As I was praying this morning, while I was still in bed, God spoke to me and he said to me to tell you this, that there's going to be situations that the leadership you guys know about where you've tried to push the door and it hasn't opened. But actually, because you've prophesied a year of favor, God's going to do something. And you're going to come into an abundance that you've never, ever known before. Not because you're great, but because of how great he is. Not because you've got the best building, but you have. This is a fantastic building, isn't it? God's got favorites. He really has, hasn't he? You should see mine. Mine's nothing like this, but it's nice. It's a roof. You know what I mean? You can laugh, by the way. Jesus is still here, just because they're still playing. But I do believe that you're going to come into a year of a year of favor in that sense, and and God's going to use your influence to open doors that you didn't even think were possible. So, Father, we thank you for this church. Hey, we're going to pray not for ourselves now. We're going to pray for this church. Come on, will you pray with me? Pray for this church right now. If you can speak in tongues, begin to speak in tongues. Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this church. We thank you, Father, that this is a church that is set on a hill. A city that cannot be hidden. A light, oh God, that shines in the darkness. And Father, we pray that you will bless this church like never before. That God, that they will receive the favor that you have bestowed upon them in an even greater measure. That God, that they will see men and women, boys and girls, one into the kingdom of God for such a time as this. And the Father, that you will get the glory, you will get the honor, you will get the praise. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Come on, church, let's give God some praise. Amen, amen, amen.